Welcome to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS, covering the world of mapping and location technology. Hello and welcome to Location Matters. My name's Sarah Butler and I'm your host. And today we're going to be talking about a GIS software that most people, unless you're living under a rock, are pretty familiar with, which is Esri's ArcGIS. Um, but today's utilities need actionable information to support complex networks. And we're going to be talking about utilities pretty specifically today. So no matter what industry you work in, utilities need to provide a safe working environment, deliver reliable service and maintain a focus on customer support. With that in mind, we're here today with two of our Brisbane colleagues to talk about the new Esri ArcGIS utilities upgrade and what this may mean for your company and its existing GIS systems. I'm super excited about this because... Our Brisbane office is kind of still new. It's a new thing. And today, Alexandra Gear and Conway Penney are here on the podcast and they're in our Brisbane office, which has grown pretty quickly in the last four or five months. Um, so I'm going to invite Alex to speak first. She's our business unit leader, general manager, I suppose, of the Queensland team. Alex, would you like to say hello? Yep, as Sarah said, my name is Alex. I'm the Queensland general manager here at NGIS. Um, it's been six months. And I like to tell people that we've grown 600% in six months. So I think it's the only time I'll get a stat that, uh, that good for increasing growth. But um, yeah, we have come from basically zero to six. So I'm pretty excited by that. I absolutely love Brisbane. My brother lives in Brisbane. And then Alex told me that the office is in Newstead. And Newstead is really, really, really cool, I think, anyway. Um, it's actually a little bit too cool for me. Sometimes I'm in here and I'm like, I've got no business being somewhere that is this cool. So, um, yeah, um, we're, we're, we're loving it here so far. Well, I think you're definitely cool enough to be in Newstead, Alex, but you've also recently just had Conway join your team. Conway, would you like to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your role at NGIS and what you're doing and what makes you tick. Uh, thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Alex. Um, my name is Conway Penney. Um, I'm Principal GIS Consultant here in the Brisbane office. Uh, I think I was number number six um, in the in the Brisbane team. Um, my background is very much as a sort of GIS generalist, um, but I've recently been involved in a lot of GIS and asset management type of projects. Um, been in consulting now for about 10 years. So utilities is where I've spent a lot of time um, and the, I guess the, uh, the conversation, the integration between GIS and other systems in the utility space is where I, uh, I've had a bit of experience in recent years. Uh, I'm very excited to be with all the cool kids here in Newstead. <laughs> I'm jealous, you guys. <laughs> but hey, let's get into this because um, like I did say before, we are speaking pretty specifically about the utilities industry because... You know, and I find, from, from what I see anyway, is that the utilities industry seems to rely really heavily on GIS. Alex, can you explain why that is? Okay, you're going to have to forgive me for what I'm about to say, because location matters, Sarah. <laughs> Too cheesy? She went there. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did go there. Okay. Um, but no, seriously, location is critical. So where are your assets? Where are the customers? Where am I sending my maintenance crew to fix an issue? So location is critically important in how utilities continue to deliver their services to their customers. Um, I think that's, you know, as simple as it needs to be. I'll throw one more in there. Um, where are the other utilities? 
um, because an awful lot of uh, an awful lot of what makes GIS effective in a utility organization is seeing where other utilities are and other infrastructure that you need to either steer clear of or watch out for. Yeah, definitely. I guess what I've also seen, I think I'm making a lot of assumptions here and you guys can feel free to clear this up. But from what I see is that Esri has pretty much become the most popular tool for utilities companies. It may not be the only tool, it may not be completely exclusive, but I feel like everybody's kind of got their finger in that pie if they're working in utilities here in Australia. Why would people in utilities um, that you would work with in terms of being the client and the contractor, why would they choose Esri's ArcGIS or anything else in the Esri suite? Conway? Um, I think there's a number of reasons why ArcGIS is so well used across the utility sector here. Um, and this is in no sort of particular order of, of importance. But uh, ArcGIS is, a, is fundamentally a, a general purpose GIS. Um, and what that means is that you can use it in a lot of areas of utility operations and so not just for your infrastructure management, but you can use it for your environment, you can use it for your land administration, and of course you can use it for your core infrastructure administration as well. Um, and what it gives you is it gives you that organizational-wide spatial framework, which some of the more specialized utility mapping packages don't necessarily support as well. Um, so that sort of fit for utility specific purpose as well as general um, use across the organization. Um, it gives you a whole bunch of industry or sector specific data models and tools um, targeted at specific types of utilities. And I think where it really comes into its own in big utility organizations is around its, its enterprise level of capability. So enterprise security, enterprise identity management, uh, and the ability to to deploy and manage it in in a sort of very modern enterprise infrastructure. Um, Alex, you want to add anything to that? Probably just to reiterate that you know traditionally we've seen GIS be in um, you know sort of that system of record, which is the um, you know the database around your you know your utilities, your assets, the attributes around that. But what we're seeing with you know evolving architectures is that everything's a bit more web services driven. We have web GIS, and that's how you can engage with the rest of your business. So um, everyone's using the same web services, the same web maps, and it means that you know it's a better um, level of coverage in an organisation. And even going that bit further is that these geospatial assets can be communicated outside the organisation to members of the public. So I think ArcGIS is probably about the only technology that really gives you that framework out of the box. Yeah, and I'm really interested to hear maybe um, a little bit later in the podcast about other um, sort of mapping technology that you guys feel could add value to what ArcGIS already provides, maybe like something like 3D mapping. I actually don't know the answer, but I'll ask you that a little bit later because at the moment I'm really interested in like this deep investment because it sounds to me like you're investing in Esri's, I guess, ArcGIS enterprise. If you're doing that, you're probably making quite a hefty investment into it. How crucial and how important does that investment become to a utilities business if you if you go there? Because I'm thinking like if you, you sign up for it, you know, you're like, yep, we're going to do this. And then 10 years down the track, how big are we talking in terms of like, you know, commitment, upgrading, you know, things like that? All right. How do I put this? So investment-wise, some utilities are, you know, in the millions per year technology perspective um, just for licensing so 
it is a big investment. There are some big projects out there, which are actually some of the biggest GIS projects I've ever seen in my career. So it's certainly an interesting time in that space, but I would say the value that it's bringing um, and return on investment is certainly there as well. Um, I might ask for your comment on that, Conway. Yeah, I think one of the things to think about is what's the value of the asset you're managing? Um, and you know, proportionally to the to the value of of the asset, these these uh, asset information systems um, are <laughs> relatively insignificant. We're talking you know utilities with multi-billion dollar asset portfolios spread across tens of thousands of kilometers of of area. And I think you need to to realize that you know to manage that spread and complexity of of infrastructure, you need you need heavy heavy tools. <laughs> you need the um, um, you know the, the right equipment to be to be able to manage information around those systems. Um, you you asked Sarah about the how crucial ArcGIS or your your GIS is to your to your utility organization, and I think a lot of that depends on how closely you're integrating your GIS with your other operational systems. So GIS fundamentally is is around giving you the ability to visualize where, because location matters, uh, visualize where your assets are, where your operations are. And that is always a snapshot in time. And the deeper your integration between that visualization of where and the what that is happening at those locations, the more powerful your GIS becomes. So being able to integrate your GIS with things like your um, your SCADA, your, your equipment monitoring uh, systems, uh, integrating it with your billing systems, integrating it with your, your field crew operation systems. Um, so I think the, the value really comes, the value is really realized when you have that deep level of integration because not only are you mapping your asset, you're understanding how your asset's performing in near real time, ideally. The other thing, just sorry, Sarah, to butt in there, is around, um, you know, the network and the visual representation of that network becomes sort of that central piece to all of those other systems. It's the bit that actually relates, you know, your billing system to to another system as well. So that's how crucial it is. It's kind of the glue that's holding it all together. Yeah, systems, systems, and I would say um, teams as well. By the sounds of it, it's like systems are one thing, like integrating all that into one holistic view. But then teams, and I'm listening to what you guys are saying. I'm like, man, this is a lot of people to train on how to use, or at least have a basic understanding of the GIS software. Am I right? So what I was just thinking before when you're asking about how crucial this was is an organisation I did some work with prior to joining NGIS, they had a team of 70 who were network data editors. So 70 people that were day-to-day updating information about the network. So that's huge. And, you know, you may have to train them all in a particular piece of software or at least a workflow that they need to use the software to support. So, yeah, it's a big sort of uplift program when we do sort of change the business processes and the technology that people are using. Yeah, by the sounds of it, people who maybe weren't familiar with GIS at all coming into a business where all of a sudden they're like, oh, okay, what's this GIS? And actually realising that this is really, really important to to what they're doing at that utilities business. It's fascinating. I'll just throw in a comment there if I can, Sarah. So when I, I came into utilities and infrastructure from, a, as I said, a very generalist GIS background, so I'm a, I'm a geographer, 
um, from way back when. And for me, maps are a, are a natural way of understanding, you know, what I do and, and what's around me. Uh, and my first job in, in infrastructure, um, the, the the first challenge I, I had was was sort of very clearly spelled out to me by a, a road engineer who came in and, and basically, you know, slammed his papers down on the desk and said, I don't want a map. I want a tool. And I think that has always kind of been my, you know, my my touch point around what are we using GIS for? We're not using GIS to make pretty pictures. We're using GIS to give operational decision makers better tools to make their decisions. Um, and I think the your your question about the number of people involved in using GIS, I think there's a yes, we need to to have lots of very capable GIS people at the at the heart of the GIS operations, but it's about enabling the the specialists in the other parts of the business to be more effective. We don't want to make them GIS specialists. We want them to remain specialists in their operational areas, but we want to increase their capabilities by giving them, almost without them realizing it, some spatial capabilities, some spatial understanding, preferably within the tools they're used to using. And we kind of, um, what's the term they use? We, we sideload <laughs> GIS into their workflows and into their operational systems in a way that gives them that that more sort of enriched understanding of their of their operating environment. Man, you explain things so well, honestly. <laughs> it's, it's really, really good. Thank you for that, Conway. It is, it's really interesting to hear it put that way because it's kind of the way I'm a non-GIS person that came and worked at a GIS business and that's kind of, you know, a bit like how I felt as well. Um, so that's really cool that you said that. I would love to talk about Esri's ArcGIS Utility Network um, because I feel like people have been hearing about this a lot working in this sector, especially if their companies invested in ArcGIS. Alex, can you tell us a little bit more about Esri ArcGIS Utility Network um, and an upgrade, I believe? There's an upgrade coming for that. So utility network in general is sort of, it's the next generation of data model for utilities. So um, people that have been using ArcGIS for some time in utilities might have heard of the geometric network. And I will talk about that in a bit in a second, but I guess in general terms, how do I explain this in recent years? We've just seen a lot of modernization of technology. So, um, you know, the application architectures have evolved. We've got service-based architectures, more modern programming languages, like even our desktop tool is now, you know, 64-bit. So the utility network is just really takes all of that into consideration and it's just that next evolution. So it is configurable for any of the utility sectors, so electric, gas, water, telecoms, and it models all of the components of a utility network and the connectivity between those components. And then you've got the ability to work with it at multiple scales. Um, it also leverages a service-based architecture, and that is really good because it means you can take advantage of, you know, editing workflows using branch versioning. Um, it's got attribute rules so that you've got better data quality, and the services mean that you can then consume it across the organisation. So think, you know, bring services into your ArcGIS Pro desktop tool, you can have it in the web environment, you can have it on your mobile applications. So, um I don't know, Conway. Did I did I explain it relatively well enough there? Oh, excellent. Um, I think I I just throw in a couple more sort of general capabilities, which I think from stepping back from the the technology, more from a, a widening your use cases potentially, um, and and one is this ability for the utility network to to store and to model your more detailed components. So in in the old world. Um, what a GIS uh, shop in a utility organization would usually do is 
they'd map the assets um, that had big geography. So long pipelines or long cables, they'd map the big stuff. They would map uh, like a, a substation, an electrical substation to the, the, the substation building. Within that substation building, there could be hundreds or thousands of individual electrical components, which generally wouldn't be captured in GIS. What the utility network allows you to do is it allows you to capture all that internal asset and all that, and more importantly, all the internal connectivity within that uh, within that substation, within that pumping station. Um, and what that does from a from a simplification of systems point of view is that previously um, a field operator would have to go out and use GIS to find that substation or find that pumping station using geo navigation tools so you know go down this road or follow this pipe and there's the there's the the building and then once they were inside the building they usually then have to switch to another business system some kind of drawing management system to be able to get the schematics of the the wiring or the cabling or the the piping inside that substation what you have in the utility network now is to have all of that data in one system um, and so it simplifies what your field operators have to do it simplifies uh, potentially simplifies how you store that more complex or that more detailed data. I guess the other thing with the utility network, which um, I've found quite interesting, is the fact that it allows you to bring together different kinds of utility infrastructure. So you can now manage both a water network and an electrical network in the same system. And while this may not be of much use for your sort of big dedicated power or water or gas companies, I think there's a lot of potential for, for implementing and getting value out of this in, in smaller footprints where you've got things like a mine site or a remote community where all of your utilities are managed through one entity and where you've got a lot of interconnectivity and dependency between the different, um, the different utility components. So if the power goes out at this substation, it affects the water pumping in that area, which then affects other downstream systems from that water pump. So the ability to have all of that within one place rather than have it in two or more places and having to integrate between them, um, I think is quite powerful as well. Yeah, thank you for that, Conway. Um, I'm kind of interested as well to hear about the upgrade process to uh, the ArcGIS utility network. I mean, how cumbersome or how simple is it? What roadblocks do we think companies are going to face with this? And can you shed any light on that? You just switch it on, Conway, don't you? What's that? You just switch it on? Yeah, you just you know press the, press the green button. There's a green button that says upgrade. <laughs> so simple. Exactly. <laughs> then you just go next, 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 and you're done. <laughs> no, but seriously <laughs> though, how 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 important is this upgrade process? So I mentioned earlier that some of the utilities projects that are taking place at the moment in our industry are some of the biggest projects that I've seen in my career, and I guess there's two reasons for this. So maybe a, an anecdote about my dad, who, Sarah, you uh, already know because he Alex's. likes to correct errors that on our website. <laughs> Alex's um, dad, if you're listening, I fixed the problem on the website. <laughs> I bet you he'll listen so to this as well. <laughs> he probably will. He probably will. Um, so what I was going to say is dad, early adopter, um, you know, gets a CD player or a microwave when they first come out. but then doesn't replace them or upgrade them for a decade because you know what, they're doing the job. 
So for a really long time in my parents' house, we had this CD player that still had an individual button for every song listing, like one, two, three, four, five, up to 20. And I'm like, you look at it and you go, come on, there's a, there's a better, smaller unit out there, which is a bit, you know, better. But dad's like, but this works. What are you talking about? And I think sometimes utilities are a bit like that. They adopted GIS early, and but then they stuck on old versions, legacy versions. And I think that's what we've found is that these big projects that are taking place are really complicated because they were heavily legacy systems, lots of complex integrations, lots of business processes that have been built around that legacy system. So the actual project isn't so much about the technology itself. It's about process re-engineering. It's about essentially redesigning a modern GIS um, because it's, you know, it's been, you know, six, eight years since they've upgraded. So I think that's why they're so big. But throw in, um, you know, the utility change and obviously some other things that are happening at the moment, like, you know, the GDA 2020 migration. Some people are doing that all at the same time, which makes it even bigger. That scares me and I'm not even in GIS because let me tell you, I learned all about GDA 2020 last year and I was like, ooh, <laughs> it's a lot. The earth has moved. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a very good point, Alex. The fact that what is often daunting to organizations that are looking to take on the utility network is that it it comes with a lot of dependencies underneath it, some of them real dependencies and some of them um, optional, sort of such as you know whether you lump in GDA twenty twenty at the same time. Um, but I think that's that, that's exactly true. I, th I think there's really two parts to to this. one is one is the is the underlying architecture and uh, sorry one is the underlying system upgrade of your ArcGIS version and uh, as Alex said from you know eight ten years ago when a lot of organizations may have taken on ArcGIS as their um, as the GIS for their utility operations there's been a lot of change in the underlying um, system architecture so upgrading your core GIS product is sort of the upgrade part of this process implementing utility network once you have upgraded is almost a separate thing altogether because you need to do the upgrade in order to have an underlying um, an underlying system to support utility network um, so it's definitely a, a two-step operation um, getting your ArcGIS platform to a version uh, a new version or a current version that supports utility network and then actually implementing the utility network and that implementation is really as as, as Alex said it's a complete re-engineering of your data model and all of the the processes that hang off how you represent your assets um, so you know anything any integration that touches your assets any of those business processes that touch your assets they all need to be changed and they're not just changing in their current state they're changing in their the new model of web-based architecture that the new ArcGIS platform is um, is driving towards well, because there is a new upgrade, right, for ArcGIS, it's 10.9.1, right, Alex? Correct. Uh, yes, yeah, so I think that was last week that finally got released. So um, exciting for all ArcGIS customers, not just those in utilities. And so what does so, – so upgrading ArcGIS to the new system is kind of an expectation, then you're saying, Conway, if you're going to do the Esri – um, ArcGIS utility network, then you kind of really need to take on that 10.9.1 version. And I should add, by the time this podcast is released, um, it may have been a couple of months ago that this was actually <laughs> um, announced in the, the new version. But yeah, so I'm saying like, 
is it's kind of like the, the really kind of core part. We do this first. We do this ArcGIS update first to this new version. How often do these updates come around? Well, uh, so in general, ArcGIS um, usually has two releases a year. So they have a major release and then a dot one as well. Um, that has slowed down a little bit with COVID and obviously, you know, the, the resourcing pressures that all organisations have had through that. But the interesting thing about uh, 1091, um, so I mentioned a little bit earlier that sometimes these projects and utilities take a long time and it's because there's a lot of other stuff that's going on, you know, around that upgrade. So business processes being re-engineered. So Esri actually designates um, different support cycles for different versions and the dot zeros are usually a two-year support cycle. The dot ones are usually a four-year support cycle. So what they're recommending for utilities out there is that they do actually go to what they're calling um, a designated network management release and 10.9.1 is one of those network management releases. And that's basically to say, as a utility, we know you don't upgrade that often. If you go to this one, it's going to be in support for a much longer period of time, which means that, yeah, support's still there, they'll be patching and they don't sort of get to that point where their legacy system becomes out of support quickly. Yeah, that was one, probably one of my next questions actually was if if the utilities businesses are like your dear father and they're like, you know what, I'm good. I'm good here. I don't need to upgrade this. And you've got people – and like let's acknowledge as well that when you've got huge teams of people, you definitely have those people in the teams that are just like, you know, hating change and like, you know, don't want to do that. It's going to be hard. You know, how are we going to possibly – where do we start? How do we even go here? Um, who are probably like, no, we're good. Um, you're saying that if they upgrade to 10.9.1, that they get four years and that, that will be supported for four years. And does that mean that the version that they main that, you know, if they don't upgrade, will stop receiving support? Probably already has. So an organisation I'm working with at the moment, um, one of the key drivers for them to actually do their upgrade is that they're no longer in support for their in-production system. So I think they're on 10. Two at the moment, and we are currently implementing 1081, but go lives in a year. So we actually will do an upgrade before our go live date, but 1081 to 1091, not, not so much of a deal. Mm. When you say that it's not supported, what does that actually mean? Does that just mean that if they need to go to Esri and ask for support that they just won't get the support? Is that what you mean? What I mean is that if anything breaks, um, you know, if there are any patches that come out from, you know, Esri Inc., um, they won't they won't apply to that version that they're on. So, in theory, like if they call the support line for their local distributor, they're going to do their best because they always do for their customers. But theoretically, yeah, there's you know there's no support for that particular piece of technology. The whole unsupported model is is an interesting space um, where. You, you sometimes find a GIS a GIS outfit will hang on to their version to the bitter end, and the bitter end literally meaning the 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 actual server that the GIS is running on will be on an operating system that is so legacy that even the operating system starts falling over. Um, you know, the actual hardware that it's running on is 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 so ancient um, that it that it no longer um, you know no longer even functions. Um, and it, it's a it's an interesting insight into an organisation IT's risk uh, risk appetite as to how far they are willing to to keep some of these 
unsupported to various degrees um, operational systems running. Mm. Well, sounds like a real can of worms. <laughs> I once heard of a guy um, that had essentially a box under his desk, which was running a like a version 9.3 web service and no one knew it was there and that he was responsible for it. Oh, man. <laughs> it's just like, like I said, it's a can of worms for sure. Um, we, I have another question about this, um, but I want to get to it in just a sec because I want to come back to the one I wanted to ask you earlier, which was there's lots of mapping technology available that people can make use of. Um, and we know that the utilities industry gets a lot of value um, out of using ArcGIS, um, which is wonderful. And I'm just wondering if both of you in your line of work have experienced that maybe there are other supplementary technologies that can help when it comes to visualisation, anything that people could be doing to sort of, I guess, not stay competitive, but just stay, you know, really crucially aware of what's happening with their assets. Conway? Yeah, sure. So um, in terms of visualisation, there's the sort of multidimensional aspect of visualisation, which is getting into 3 and 4D. So visualising assets uh, in, in three spatial dimensions and then introducing a time dimension so you can see change in, in asset properties and asset performance over time. And it starts to then get into the realm of, of BIM or, or building information modeling, which is taking um, spatial representation and enriching it with multiple dimensions of, of infrastructure, performance and uh, infrastructure um, utilization information. So as I said before, being able to to visualize your assets, not just where they are, but where they are in context and then how they're performing and how they're being used over time. Um, and then other dimensions that you can add on to that are um, things like cost dimensions. So often using a GIS to visualize uh, and plan construction um, in, a, in a complex construction environment um, where you're having to, to schedule um, complex three-dimensional movement of cranes and trucks and, and, and so on within a, within a, a constrained building environment. Uh, and then being able to, to, to add on things like construction costs to that visualization. So not only do you see how your site is going to be built up over time, but you're also going to see how your site is going to be built up in terms of, of expenditure um, and, and whether there are opportunities for efficiency in, in doing that. Um, and that kind of leads into the into the integration world. So GIS is very good at the spatial visualization, the spatial modeling of this, um, but there are other systems that specialize in things like the, the asset performance um, and, and modeling future asset performance. And so being able to bring that information from these other systems and integrate it into GIS and be able to visualize them in the, the native GIS space. Sure, Alex, anything you'd like to add to that? I think I'm gonna give a much less complex answer which is I think what I've probably seen more recently, um, you know, across the clients I've been working with is just, you know, simple automations. So we're seeing a lot of use of FME in the back end for, you know, either ETLs or processes that need to happen, you know, regularly. Um, so we do see a lot of that. The other thing is, um, you know, we work a little bit with so a product set called ArcFM, which again builds on top of the Esri platform with utility-specific tool sets. And a part of that is also there's a viewer component of that. So sometimes in an organisation, 
um, you know, a particular web application with, you know, different tools, et cetera, in it. Um, there are some different products out there which are really complementary to the ArcGIS suite um, that we do see some organisations gravitate towards. So I think they're probably the two that I'm seeing a lot of is, yeah, you know, companies using FME and also, yeah, ArcFM in the utility space. Mm, yeah, we did actually have a podcast on FME last season, which we were talking about it being um, available in the Google Cloud Marketplace. So anybody that's already adopted using the use of Google Cloud, they can actually run their FME workflows in, in Google Cloud with BigQuery, really, really cool. Um, so if you're into that, I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to listen a little bit more about that as well. To wrap up, I'm wondering what advice you would give Alex to utilities companies who want to start this upgrade of their ArcGIS system if they're in utilities and they don't know where to start and how we can help. I think what I would say is that it is not as easy as we indicated with a green button, uh, but you do need to start talking about it because there will be a point in time if you are using the geometric model where that will no longer be supported. So the best thing I think to do is start thinking about what your future strategy is when you will upgrade and then how you can actually put a roadmap or a plan together to do that. So it's not just, you know, a huge big bang. There are incremental things that can be done to prepare you for that. Um, something that um, I believe has been really successful with some big organisations is doing a pilot. So selecting, you know, a small area, so a geographic subset and looking at the utility model and how that might work in that area. So that's definitely something that we can talk to organisations about. Awesome. Conway, anything you'd like to add regarding advice or, you know, next steps? Yeah, I think as, as Alex said, it's, it's, a, it's a big beast um, and breaking it into, into smaller parts is really the way to go. Um, separating out your, your underlying infrastructure up, upgrades and then your implementation of the utility network, how you migrate into it once you've, once you've got a utility network design that works for you. Um, and also, I think it's um, don't underestimate the impact on your your other systems where you've got integrations, because all of those will uh, will need to be uh, updated as well. Anything that touches your underlying um, asset infrastructure representation in your GIS is going to fundamentally change, and therefore the integration uh, will need to be um, will need to be modified as well. So it is a bit of a beast, but as Alex said, start talking about it. Um, start making plans um, and and slice it up. Yeah, awesome. And if anyone is listening and you're from um, the utilities industry, you feel like you do need some help and support and you're wondering where to get started, in the show notes I'll include just a link to the NJS Contact Us. You can reach out. Our team will be glad to speak with you and, and just help you get to that next stage if you need it. Uh, that's all we've got time for though today, guys. Thank you for being on the podcast, Brisbane edition. And um, I'm really, really glad you're here. Um, thanks so much, Alex Conway. I hope we can get you back on next season. It's been good to be on the podcast. I have been a listener for some time. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for the, uh, the opportunity to talk about this. No problem at all. And if you're listening to Location Matters and you really enjoy what you're listening to, don't forget that you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Google Podcasts. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS covering the world of mapping and location technology.
To find more episodes or to read our blog, check out our website, ngis.com.au.